Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. You can ask uh, anybody that that's hunted with me or knows me. I, I'm in a zone that's that's unexplainable during deer season. The last week of October through the first two or three weeks of November, I'm I'm like in a different world. I mean, that's all I've got on my mind those three or four weeks. That's it. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast, presented by Inland. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyle Lee. Welcome back to the Ozark Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Veet, and I'm flying solo today without a co-host, but I am not alone uh, because we're getting close and closer to hunting season, and with that comes hunting guests and hunting topics, and, um, and so I am uh, excited to announce that I've got Rusty Johnson of United Outdoors here with me today, and uh, we're going to talk some buck talk. Good to be here, Kyle. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having yeah. us over to your place. Oh, yeah. Um, if you guys check out our Instagram, you'll be able to see the video. We've got some big deer up here behind us. And <laughs> and uh, you you definitely know what you're doing when it comes to whitetail, don't you? Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess you could say that. I mean, I've been fortunate uh, here in the last several years to harvest some really good bugs. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You can you can definitely see them on the on the walls. I walked in here and I was like, there's there's quite a few inches of antlers up on the wall here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so like I said, we're getting closer to hunting season, and um, we've got a couple of events coming up. Um, we've got one coming up, but you've actually got an event coming up that that you and your crew are kind of putting on here in a couple of weeks in in August. You want to talk about that event? Uh, yeah, uh, we have a Onyx uh, tutorial event. Uh, we're going to have it in Springdale, Arkansas on Emma Street at the Apollo Theater. It's August the 25th. Um, you can go on our page and follow the link and get free tickets. I think we're going to allow 200 tickets. We're about at 120 right now. Okay. So we're getting close to being full. Yeah, uh, about to cap out. Yeah, about to cap out. Uh, so, But, I mean, we're going to have stuff to eat, stuff to drink there. We're going to uh, uh, have an Onyx tutorial uh, we're going to give away some cool stuff and just have some good camaraderie and swap stories, deer hunting stories, and so on and so forth. I love it, man. That sounds like a good time. And it's tell me, you. I think when you kind of talked to us about it, um, what kind of spurred spurred on the event? You, you were hanging out with some of the Onyx guys, and and they kind of started showing you some stuff that you were like, I didn't even know that existed. And, and you're someone who's kind of used Onyx for a while, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've used it for a while. And uh, a couple of years ago, we partnered up with Onyx. And then uh, last year, we had a big hunt here in northwest Arkansas with Onyx and some of the meat eater guys. And uh, they were showing us some stuff on there that we had no idea that was even on there. Yeah. We're like, man, <laughs> it's it's pretty deep. There's a lot of useful tools on this thing. So, uh, you know, between us you know, talking to them and everything, we decided that, hey, I think everybody else, you know, would benefit from having a tutorial and uh, showing everybody what's available. And there's some new stuff too okay. on there yeah. that we're going to share as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've I've used Onyx for 
the last uh, probably two years hunting and I, I know I'm not tapping into all the features because I use it, the very simple stuff. I'm, you know, just whatever kind of comes base package that you kind of add right away. But uh, I, I'm sure there's stuff that I'm, I'm missing out on that I'm excited to hear about. Oh, yeah. There's some really cool stuff on there that people don't even realize it's on there. Yeah. And, I mean, I live and die by that app. Yeah. I use it every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's free, right? The event's free. Yeah, the event's free. Okay. Everything there's free. Um, we're going to launch our Fireside Apparel brand there, and we will have stuff for sale with that brand, but everything else will be free. We're going to have some cool giveaways and uh, have a good time. Yeah. It'll be fun. And the date was, you said it? August the 25th, and the doors open at 530 and the tutorial will start around six-ish. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Very cool. We'll have it on a big screen. That's why we're having it at that theater, so we can have it on a big screen up there so everybody can see well, and there'll be seating, and it'll it'll be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I plan on being there. I already got, already got my ticket signed up, so yeah. come hang out with us. Come meet me. Come meet Rusty and hang out with the crew. Um, should be a good time. Oh, it's going to be a blast. And with that, uh, so the other event I mentioned, so we've got, if you guys listened to a, a couple episodes ago, we talked about, um, we, as the podcast, uh, are, are putting on the Ozark Public Land Challenge. I was just telling you about it. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a, it's a two-man challenge um, over 24 hours. Go out, do your thing, you hunt in the Ozarks on public land and bring back your different species. It can be coons, it can be rabbits, it can be squirrels, it can be deer. Um, bring it back. We'll, we'll score it. We'll have an event to kick it off, a, a, a concert, you know, like a live music thing, some food and stuff like that. And uh, should be a good time. That's in November. But in preparation for that, I wanted to have you on, Rusty, to kind of help get people prepared for this. Because <laughs> hunting in the Ozarks can be pretty tricky if you don't know what you're looking for, if you don't know how to read the terrain, find sign, and, and all, all sorts of yeah. things like that. Yeah, it, it can be very tricky. Yeah. I mean, sometimes just downright difficult. Downright I mean, difficult. Yeah. Downright. I mean, yeah. you hear about all these places and, and you watch YouTube and you watch the big buck states and the, you know, the channels on the hunting shows. And a lot of them are kind of focused around like Kansas and Iowa and Idaho and yeah, all the, I mean, incredible deer up there, but it's, it's a lot different than hunting here. It is. I mean, we, we do have some incredible deer here as well, but, man, they are tough to hunt. Mm. I mean, it's it's totally different than the Midwest. I hunt out there, too, and it, there's no comparison. Yeah. it's The difficulty is a lot more here than it is out there. What what makes it what makes it difficult? Like, wh- why is it so much different? Uh, I don't know, really. I mean, you know, the mountains play a lot into it. You know, we don't have the ag and uh, stuff like that out here as they do out in the midwest you know like cornfields soybean fields and you know all those drainages you know it it just seems like you can head them off a little bit better out there out here especially in these ozarks i mean it everything looks the same and you got to look for those little details to try to get a pattern on one of those big guys yeah yeah that's what i mean you walk out and if and if 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 you're hunting on a property private or public and you go out there and you spend any time out there and, and you do some hiking, you do some scouting, it all just looks the same. It does. I mean, to, to be able to find some little, something different to say like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. You really kind of got to have a trained eye. You have to have a trained eye. And, you know, over the last several years, you know, I've learned little things I think that helps me a lot in uh, upping my success. Yeah. To get one of them. 
Well, perfect. That's exactly what we <laughs> want to talk about. So, so in preparation for this event, we want to give people some kind of equip some people to, if you've never hunted public land in the Ozarks, um, or maybe you have, and you just kind of want to hear some different tactics, yeah. um, we'll, we'll cover that. So, um, before we jump in all the way into that though, let's just take a step back. You want to just introduce yourself and, and kind of tell people what United Outdoors is, what you do, um, and, and kind of how you got to be where you are right now. Okay, uh, <clears throat> I'll just go way back. Um, I'm originally from southwest Arkansas, uh, land of the little deer. Um, <laughs> you got that, that southern draw. It's yeah. a little bit more I'm, than the northwest Arkansas people. I'm from L.A., lower Arkansas. There you but, go. But uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I grew up down there, and, you know, my dad was a big bow hunter, so I was fortunate to have him you know, lead me at an early age, but we just unfortunately did not have the big bucks down there to hunt. We had deer and we, you know, we just, a big buck down there was a, you know, 90 inch basket rack eight, you know? And so I grew up, uh, with him teaching me everything that I know. And, um, about 25 years ago, we moved up to Northwest Arkansas and, uh, <clears throat> I started going out to, uh, Kansas a lot and, uh, learning a lot of the terrain out there but there's a northwest arkansas has some real really hidden gems here that um i think hold some really good bucks and uh <clears throat> i'm an official scorer for pope and young so i'm like i'm seeing these bucks come in and i said man there there's some really good deer here yeah so you know i started studying you know it, it it's not immediate you know you have to study and learn all this stuff and uh i've learned some stuff that i think helps my success of killing some of these bucks but uh <clears throat> i'd say about four years ago uh my son started our um, social media platform and uh <clears throat> we just started posting about what we did you know uh, some of the bucks we were killing and uh, some of his uh successes and uh, it just kind of grew from there and we got a lot of followers and um uh, i don't know we just kind of started pursuing it yeah and it just kind of blew up and I don't know. Yeah. You got a huge platform. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, you go on your page and, and you can see too, I mean, the quality deer that you guys are able to find and shoot, yeah. uh, you and your son and Dalton, right? Is, is your business yeah. partner? Yeah. Our business partner, Dalton Clink Scales. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So just the quality deer that I see on your page is so impressive, especially yeah. in this area. I mean, cause, cause growing up here, I, I grew up in those arcs and, um, you know, to, to find a deer that's, uh, you know, 120 inches or 130 inches. That's a good deer around here. It's, it's a decent deer, but some of the the deer that you're you're bringing in, I mean, next level. And it's like, you, it seems like you consistently are finding them. Yeah, I mean, I th I think the magic uh, mark for me is like if if you can get something over 125 inches. Yeah. You know, that's Pope and Young minimum. Mm. Uh, up here, I mean, that's a really good deer. I mean, that's most of the time that's a mature deer, and. Uh, I mean, if you've killed one of them with a bow, you've done something up yeah, here. Yeah, sure, sure. But, you know, my son, Rustin, he likes running game cameras, and uh, he's really good at that, and he finds them for me, and I go kill them. Mm, there you go. <laughs> there you go. You just but take no. labor off. You, you yeah. get the, the good stuff off of his labor. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy the challenge up here hunting these mountains. Yeah, it but, is fun. It, it definitely yeah. adds that challenge. And yeah. and you mentioned you're, you're a bow hunter, you know, first, right? I'm a bow hunter first. Um, 
last year I killed one with a muzzleloader. I drew a muzzleloader tag up here, and uh, actually that's the first one with any type of gun that I've killed in a long, long time. Really? Yeah. How many years? Um, trying to think. Over ten years, probably. Over ten years. Yeah, man. So you've just yeah. You're, I'm basically strictly a bow hunter. What What about bow hunting to you makes it that? Like, why Why only bow hunting, or why do you pretty much stick it's, to bow hunting? Uh, it's the challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not against you know hunting with a gun or anything like that, but it's just the challenge. You know, of bow hunting, mm-hmm. everything has to go right. You know, to connect all the dots and kill that buck. Yeah. You, there's there's no room for mistakes. No, there's not, man. But you got to get them in there close, and you know that's I like getting them in there close and shooting them with a bow. Yeah, absolutely. So let's so let's dive in a little bit. <clears throat> let's say um, I'm someone who I'm wanting to get out, and I'm wanting to maybe I just moved to the Ozarks, and I grew up in a big buck state, or or maybe I've never hunted, and I'm I'm wanting to get out, and I want to go find some deer in the Ozarks. I want to go shoot a buck on public land, and I've never been out, where, where do you start? What's the first thing that you would kind of coach someone on of like, how do you get out and go find where, where you're going to see some deer? Well, the first thing I would tell them is make sure your mind's right. I mean, it's it can be very frustrating going out there for the first time. You know, I mean, it, it's going to be like a desert. You know, you're going to say, what, what do I do, you know? Yeah. But you need to get it in your mind that, you're not just going to go out there and kill a 130, 140 right off the bat. I mean, you could get lucky. Sure. But, but I mean, luck is a real thing. But you got to make sure that it's, you know, that's really what you want to do because a lot of people, they, they want to get out there and, and do it and they get out there for just a little bit and they give up on it, you know, and they're like, you know, this is not for me or, you know, I can't do this. Anybody can do it. You just got to set your mind to it and you have to put in the time. Mm. <clears throat> um, what I would suggest is, you know, get out there and, and do some shed hunting. You know, just walk around in the woods and just um, observe and just try to figure things out on your own. You know, uh, the more time you can spend out in the woods walking and looking at things and you may jump deer out of their beds and you start start learning how they bed, where they bed. You know, in these Ozarks, there's really no such thing as a bedding area. That's what I was going to say. You know, you've got all this big timber, and there's no such thing as a as a bedding area. So you need to learn how the deer bed and why they bed there. Right. And if you can figure that out, if you can figure out where they're, how they're bedding and why, then that's a big piece of the puzzle right there. Yeah. That is, that is something that you hear a lot. Or if you read any articles online, they talk about bedding areas. Mm-hmm. And around here, I'm like, what the heck's a bedding area? Yeah. You know what I mean? What What are you looking for when, you know, you mentioned if you're going out and you're scouting and, and you're walking through in the off season and you're starting to see where deer are bedding, how they're, they're bedding, you can kind of start to learn that. But but if you haven't ever, if you haven't done that, um, what, what does a bedding area look like? What are you looking for when you're walking? Uh, <clears throat> well, from what I've noticed is um, – they like to bed on on some steep areas. Okay. They like to bed around deadfalls. Okay. They like to bed around, uh, you know, any kind of thicker. I mean, if if you come across like a a point that's got like one side of it that's got you know thicker, uh, like a blueberry patch or you know any sawbriars or anything like that, honeysuckle, anything like that. They like to stay in there tight to that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know how many sheds I've found laying around in beds or around deadfalls on steeper ground, like on, on the side of a ditch or a drainage system or something. Yeah. And is, is that kind of how you, when you find a shed like that, is that a big part of your strategy? Oh, yeah. That, that's the whole reason I started shed hunting in, in the first place was, you know, trying to figure these bucks out. You know, if you can, if you can find their shed and know where, where they were at, you know, I think that's another big piece of the puzzle right there. But, uh, you know, they like to bed uh, where they can see really good. And, you know, sometimes they'll bed where, where they can see one way and then they've got the wind coming from the other way where they can smell mm. behind them or whatever, you know. Right. But uh, <clears throat> they bed a lot on steep ground mm. that I've seen. Okay. Okay. So the when you find a shed, for you, that basically solidifies in your mind, a buck's been here. Like yeah. I know that this is a spot where he's he's comfortable being. Yeah, he's okay. he's there. Okay, and so for you, is that something that you kind of you you keep that spot like in your mind? Use Onyx. You kind of mark that spot, and I, I mark every shed that I find on Onyx. Okay, every single one of them. Yeah, and I also mark you know specific kinds of sign. You know, if I if I see a lot of beds in one area, it don't necessarily mean that they're going to bed there in the fall. But boy, that it gives you some good ideas, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you you talked a little, like, thick stuff, high stem count. Yeah. Just just where you would think that nothing else would want to go, yeah. almost. Yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> that being said, they'll also bed in wide open woods, too. Okay. I mean, like, uh, I found a couple spots, like, on a point where, I mean, it's just wide open, big timber, but a lot of beds. Mm-hmm. I mean, up here they're going to bed anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like it. You know, if they're if they're feeding and just, I mean, they'll just bed down. I don't. I don't know how many times I've been hunting and just seen them just bed down. I'm like, like right in front of you. Yeah. I yeah. mean, why did he? Why is he bedding right there? He, he just <laughs> tired and he, you know, bedded there. Yeah. But they will use uh, some beds over and over. Mm-hmm. I found I found several spots where it's the same bed. And, I mean, they use it over and over and over. And I think mature bucks will come more doing that than the others. Gotcha. They kind of get into a, a little bit of a routine, yeah. a, a bit of a habit. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's ultimately if you can if you can pattern a deer, if you can find a, a routine, that's kind of the, the edge that ultimately you might you might need Yeah. to, to actually land, you know, get yeah. that deer in, in shooting range. Yeah, it helps your entrance and exit routes too. You don't want to bump them out of a bed, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yeah. You want to avoid. I mean, if if you think that they're bedding in a certain area, you want to try to avoid that. Yeah, you know, going in and out of your where you're going to hunt. Don't go stomping through it. Yeah, with, with your flip flops on or whatever yeah. you're wearing. Yeah, yeah, but so so you start so it starts with kind of being an observer, getting in the right mindset. Yeah, walking through, doing some scouting. When when do you scout? When do you go out and do the shed hunting? And and when should people do that? So uh, I mean, I scout year round. Okay, uh, but. Shed hunting, I start uh, the end of middle to the end of January. Sure. Uh, some will shed early. Uh, usually, your older bucks or bucks that's been injured or whatever might shed a little bit early. That's that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I start really heavily looking February and March. Okay. That's my two biggest months. Yeah. Yeah. And you're you're going out to these spots that you you know of, or are they typically places that? You've kind of been going year after year, or do you try to explore new places pretty often? 
Yeah, I do uh, explore a lot of new places, but I also find myself going back to old places too because they're they're just so reliable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you find a honey hole, yeah. I'm looking at some of these deer up here, and you're talking about some of them from the same spots. Yeah, like you're not leaving that place. Yeah, there are honey holes, but I do have a couple honey holes, especially this year that I've had cameras out and ain't got nothing on them. Mm. So you know. <clears throat> that'll make me want to move around a little bit. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to locate stuff right now. So, you know, just because it was a honey hole last year don't mean it's going to be that this year. That's true. Same things change. But, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, my favorite time to get out to look for sheds is uh, February and March. Okay. And, I mean, you can learn a lot shed hunting. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. What about now? Like, we're so we're sitting here in August, and if you – if you haven't done any scouting or or maybe you're just kind of finding a new place or maybe you're just coming around and getting into the idea of like, I want to start hunting because you, you've been fishing or doing whatever else you've been doing yeah. all summer. What can you do now to to start getting in the mindset and try to try to get on some deer at this point? Um, <clears throat> if you've got game cameras or if you're interested in game cameras, I, I would uh, suggest getting some of those and, and start scattering them out and – I mean, I would check them pretty often, you know, every week or two weeks. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have anything on it, move it and just keep bouncing them until you until you run across something. Mm-hmm. And if you get a good buck on camera, then you can start honing in on him and trying to get more pictures of him. Right. And, uh, you know, go from there. But you need to know what type of the lay of the land that you want to hunt in the fall. That's what really helps you in, in shed hunting is – you know, you see that old sign from the fall, mm-hmm. and uh, you you kind of go by that old sign, and you know, you know, more than likely that sign's going to probably be pretty close to the same spot the following fall. Mm-hmm. So that that gives you a good idea of what kind of terrain types to look for, and uh, you know, deer uh, like edges, and you know, you need to find some type of edges. And you know, when I say edges, you know, people think of crop field edges and stuff like that, but if you'll pay attention out in the woods up here, you'll find some interior edges, and it might be like, you know, pines bumping up to hardwoods or something that oh. creates an edge, yeah. you know? Yeah, And uh, I call them interior edges. Okay. And uh, sometimes you'll you'll be on a ridge, and you'll notice, like, maybe uh, a patch of huckleberries or a patch of, you know, something that creates an edge, or it also might create a gap or a funnel. And, uh, you know, gaps and funnels are really good because it pinches them down. And if you're bow hunting, you want that close shot. Right. And, you know, you need to look for big tracks. Okay. That's the main thing I look for is, is tracks. Tracks. And you said big tracks. Yeah. So you're specifically looking. I look for big tracks. Okay. And it, it can be very difficult to, especially, you know, the dry summer that we've been having. Uh, it's, yeah. it's very difficult to find a good track mm. in, you know, in a soft ground that you can actually tell what, what it is. But if if you have a good rain or something, you know, if you could get out there right after that rain. And, I mean, I even drive roads and look for crossings. Mm. And I'll, I'll get, if I see deer tracks, I'll stop the truck and I'll get out and I'll look at those tracks. And if there's a big track in there, that's a good starting point right there. Yeah. You know, we crossed the road right there. So get that on X out, look and see where, you know, say, hey, why did he cross the road right there? Mm. You know, is there something here that, you know, funneled him through here? Or something? Yeah. That's a good starting point. Absolutely. That's a, that's kind of, you go from zero data to like, that's your first data point. Yeah. And, and on X and, and a lot of, you know, anything you can do to, 
capture data when it comes to hunting, yeah, <clears throat> it it's important, right? Yeah, like you're the reason you go to these spots is because you're you've you've scouted, you've done your work, you put in the time, you're collecting all this data points, yeah. and I'm here because of this. I'm I'm walking through here because of this. I think a deer is going to be here because I'm seeing this a water feature, this edge, um, a gap, a funnel, yeah, different things like that. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're serious about it, you're going to do the research and you're you're going to listen to these podcasts. And you know, not every podcast or every magazine article is going to be to the T of uh, where you're at in your situation. But maybe you can take away, you know, uh, a few good points from each one of them and try to put the puzzle together yourself. And uh, but <clears throat> once you locate one, you you need to. Uh, figure out why he's there, you know, study those maps and say, Hey, you know, why is he here? And what can I do to intercept him? Or, you know, just start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Right. Yeah. Start coming up with kind of a story, yeah, an idea for what's yeah. going on there. You mentioned gap, you mentioned funnel. Um, talk to me about some of those terrain types or things that you're looking for in, in the, in the big woods when everything looks the same. Yeah. Uh, so, I hunt a lot of ditches, and I hunt quite a bit of steep ground. Um, a lot of people don't hunt real steep ground, yeah, and it can be challenging, and uh, you can get busted, uh, you can get winded, uh, but a lot of times in day, you know, bucks move. They they're going to move. Mm-hmm. They've got to eat. They've got to breed. So they're going to move. And you know, you hear of nocturnal bucks. Well, that nocturnal buck's moving in the daylight somewhere. Yeah. I mean, he just is. He's got to. <laughs> and you've got to figure out where he's moving in the daylight. Mm. He may not be on the top of a ridge in a saddle in daylight. Yeah. He might come through there at night. On, or, your, or on he, your camera. Yeah, he might. Yeah. He might run through there during the rut, you know, or whatever. But I try to think outside the box. And a lot of times these, i found that some of these bigger mature bucks like to kind of lay a little bit low. They'll use some travel routes that are really awkward, you know, and a lot of that's on steep ground. Mm. And it's hard, hard to hunt, but, and you most of the time won't see as many deer. But uh, I feel like that if you put your time in and be really patient, I'm a real patient person. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can sit there all day and not even see a deer, and it's hard to stay focused. Yeah. You know, and, and not get frustrated, but... You know, up here, I believe that, you know, if you put your time in, it's going to eventually pay off. Yeah. Let's say you, you've got a day like that where you, you've spent all day and you haven't seen anything, but you've got good sign and, and you're you're obviously there for a reason. Mm-hmm. How, when, at what point do you start thinking, maybe I shouldn't be here? And, and at what point do you kind of make that decision that I shouldn't be here? <clears throat> Yeah, that runs through your head all the time. I'm sure it does. <laughs> I mean, it runs through my head all the time. You know, I'm I'm constantly thinking, you know, is there something, you know, I could do differently? Or is there, you know, something, do I need to move? Yeah. You know, or do I need to stay here? And as soon as I move, that deer's going to come through there. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the, that's the worst nightmare, yeah. right? It's yeah. like, if I move, then he's going to be here the next day. Yeah. So Clay Newcomb asked me that same question. He's like, what are you going to do? He said, are you just going to sit there and wait it out? Yeah. Or, or what are you, you going to move, try to move on him? What are you going to do? I said, most time I'm going to sit there and wait him out. 
<laughs> most of the time I'll sit there and wait him out. So you're you're you'd yep. like to just sit and just wait. You're a yep. patient guy. Yeah. Patient that. Yep. Okay. I'm a I'm a firm believer if you put your time in if in your mind, if you feel like you're in the right spot, you put that time in, he's eventually gonna come by there. He's got to. He's got to. I mean, he's out roaming and I know he's somewhere, but eventually he's gonna come through there. Yeah. You just have to have confidence in that spot. Yeah. If you've got the confidence, you need to stick with it and stay there. Yeah. What about you? You mentioned nocturnal bucks. If you got like a, a big buck on camera, that's your target deer that you're going after. You've been kind of tracking him, tracing him, and you've got him on camera consistently, but he's at he's nocturnal. Like he's he's flipped. So <clears throat> just like I said before, you know, I don't believe in a totally nocturnal buck. Okay. There might be some out there, but I feel like that buck's going to move in the daylight somewhere. Okay. And most of the time where I have my cameras is not where I'm hunting. Oh. It's not. Really? Yep. I mean, it's in the area, okay. but it's not going to be in the exact spot where I'm hunting. Okay. If I've got a buck on camera and it's at night, I'm definitely not going to be there where the camera is. Right. I'm trying to figure out where he's coming from or where he's going to. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, most of the time I set my cameras where uh, a lot of them in the fall, a lot of them, I'd say over half of them are on scrapes anyway. Okay. But, uh, and it's usually on, you know, they scrape usually on flatter ground, either in a in a saddle or on a ridge top or whatever. But I'm trying to figure out, I just want to know that he's there, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to figure out either where he's coming from or where he's going to. Gotcha. So you so you use your cameras. You're not hunting over them, no. Which is interesting. So you so you're not hunting over them. You're using them to to get pictures of like what's what's in the area, and then you're trying to essentially I'm backtracking backtrack from that spot. Yeah. To where you think they might be. I'm either forward tracking or backtracking from from the camera. Okay. Now out in the Midwest, when I go to Kansas, yeah, I do have some cameras in spots that I do hunt right over where the camera is. But okay. here in the here in the Ozarks, very rarely am I hunting where exactly where my camera is. Gotcha. Which is you mentioned a lot of times over a scrape. Yeah, I, I like putting them on scrapes because you can put them on video mode and get some really cool footage. Mm-hmm. And I, I like watching that stuff. Yeah, but, it's like a little TV show for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> For a guy yeah. like you that just thinks about deer year round, that is like TV. That's a yeah. That's like a Netflix show, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but. what what about scrapes? Maybe explain that a little bit because I, like I think I know what a scrape is, but for someone who's talking like, what what the heck's a scrape and, and why are you putting a camera over a scrape? What what does that what does that do? Okay, a scrape is basically a pawed out place on the ground it's got a licking branch over the top of it and they put their preorbital sense in the licking branches and it's a way of communication uh for the deer and then they'll also put scent on the ground on scrape and it's uh it's just a mating it's what they do when they mate when they're trying to find a mate locate other deer and they communicate it's basically just a way of communication yeah between all the deer and so you're putting a camera right there because that's the way that pe- that's the highway, right? That's, yeah, they're they're coming to yeah. check in there, and so you're going to kind of see like an idea of the herd in that yeah. in that little local area. Yeah, okay. And a scrape can be there. There's all kinds of different scrapes. You you have primary scrapes, secondary scrapes. You know, primary scrapes is the one you want to try to find. Um, and I do hunt over scrapes sometimes. You do, yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, you want to look for that primary scrape. Usually it's a bigger area pawed out on the ground, and it's pawed out more often. Mm -hmm. And I like to look for broken limbs above it mm -hmm. uh, because, that you know, that signifies uh, that you may have a racked buck, and it's not a spike or a forked horn. You know, he's got points where he's breaking them off. I got you. And uh, <clears throat> scrapes are very important. Yeah. It's, it's, it's communication between the deer. Right. So as you're going back to kind of how we got on this, so you're you're going through, you're you're walking through the woods, you're scouting, you're looking for these different pieces. Um, maybe now you've done that. Let's say you've done that. You're someone who you've gone out, you've done a little bit of preseason scouting, you've got some cameras out there, you kind of have an idea of, of the herd. Now you've got one. You you see a good buck on camera. What what's your next steps? Like what's what's your approach from there? So uh, if I get a good one on camera, the, the first thing I do is look at the map. And I'm I'm trying to figure out, you know, where's this dude bedding at? You know, what what is his um, from where I got him on camera? What does his range look like? I mean, I, I'm just, it's all a guessing game, you know. But you can look at that map and determine a lot. Yeah, I, I look for little ditches and dips and gaps and funnels and stuff that pinches them down, and mm -hmm. you know. Just all that sorts of stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, and food plays a lot of part into it too. Sure, yeah. sure. So if, for, if you're trying to consider those things and triangulate like where you think he might be bedding or going to eat, for you, you talked about backtracking. Yep. You're thinking, okay, I've got this deer on camera. He's coming from somewhere or he's going to somewhere. Yeah. And now you're trying to put together a game plan for where am I going to sit, right? Yeah. Or, or what's the best place for me to come in and be close enough to this deer to shoot it. Yeah. So deer are crepuscular. And That's so... That's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's They move like early in the morning or late in the evening. Crepuscular. Yeah. Okay. That means moving early in the morning or late in the evening. Okay. So uh, your mature bucks, if they're moving in daylight, it's probably going to be right there at the end of the day, right before it gets dark, or right after daylight, right before they get into bed. Okay. They will move right in the middle of the day, too, you know, especially during the rut. During the rut, but, yeah. Uh, that's why you want to backtrack and forward track is to get them close to where they're going to be at that low light, that, you know, that edge of getting dark and that edge of getting daylight. Mm -hmm. You're trying to time it right there. Yeah. Because if it doesn't do you any good to be in a spot where they're going to be moving and it's an hour after dark, right? Right. You, can, you can't shoot them. No. So you're trying to really be, you're playing that line of being close enough to where they might be, but not bumping them out of a bed. Yeah. A good example of that is like, you know, if you're hunting an area that's got like a, a feed, just say a feed tree, for example, you've got all this sign underneath this feed tree, there's scrapes, you know, tracks, you know, they've been eating acorns underneath this tree. Uh, that's all good but they're probably not going to be there until after dark. Mm, yeah. And they're probably going to leave there before it gets daylight. So you need to back off and catch them before they get there and catch them after they leave. Yeah. that's. I can't tell you how many times I've done that, where I find <laughs> a big white oak or something with a bunch of acorns on the ground, and I'm like, oh, this is what I'm setting up. Don't, right? don't set up right there. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a, I mean, you, you can still kill them like that, but I, I think that's a common mistake. Yeah. Is, boy, I mean, they get excited. They see these fresh scrapes. They see all this fresh sign. And, oh, I'm they're looking for a tree right there. I'm going to set up right here, right on top of it. Yeah. 
I think that's a big mistake. Don't do it, man. <laughs> Don't do it. You need to get off of that and catch them before they get there. Mm, okay. And an- another thing I forgot to say about scrapes is they use them year-round. It's not just in the fall. We've got some incredible summertime footage of velvet bucks in scrapes. Do you leave your cameras up year-round? Yeah, they're much? up year-round. Okay. I mean, we may have more or less, you know, certain times of the year, but we've got cameras up somewhere year-round. Okay. But, yeah, they will use those scrapes. They won't necessarily paw the ground out like in the summertime. Yeah. But they will use those scrapes, those bucks, all of them year-round. Just to check in, see who's there. Yeah, and- it's like I said, it's communication. And, I mean, they absolutely use them. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. And also, you know, like in the fall, if you walk up to scrape and have, has the ground hasn't been pawed in quite some time, that does not mean he's not been there. I don't know how many times we've got either game camera footage or I've seen it while hunting. They'll come by and they'll leave their scent in those licking branches and stuff and not ever paw the ground. So don't let that fool you either. Okay. So it doesn't have to be just completely tore up. No, absolutely not. How is the best way to know that just to have a camera right there? Just to yeah, it helps to have a camera there. Uh, but I mean, if I'm looking at a scrape and the ground's not pawed, it does not bother me one bit. Okay, because I know that they come visit those scrapes and not paw the ground. Mm-hmm. What about mock scrapes? I use them all the time year round. You do? Yes. Why? Because they, they work. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they absolutely work. Yeah. It's it's that simple. Uh, like on public ground, you can't uh, use any kind of uh, feed or anything to tr- attract the deer in to get pictures. Mm-hmm. So we use a lot of mock scrapes. And um, a lot of people don't believe this, but I pee in my scrapes. You do? Yes. I've heard this. I, I, I always wonder, like, does it work? Is it worth doing it? I mean, oh, yeah. It, it absolutely works. I, I, I've been doing it for... I don't know, 20, at least 20, 25 years. Okay. And there is, without a doubt, me personally, I believe they work. Yeah. Well, I know, I know they do. You know they work, yeah. yeah. So so the mock scrape then is is exactly what it sounds like. It's it's a fake yeah. scrape, and, and they can't tell that you've made it versus, um, versus another deer. Uh, you know, you need to probably be fairly careful doing it. Yeah. You know, use a stick or something to rake the ground out and try not to get your fingers and, Oils you and know, all that. all that all over the place. Try to be a little bit careful, but, I mean, I, I don't think it, especially in the summertime, I don't think it really matters a whole lot. And a lot of times I use existing scrapes as well mm. and just freshen them up. Oh, okay. So... And that's really the best if you can do that. Right. Uh, it's just using existing scrape because, I mean, they've already, it's already determined that they want to put a scrape there in the beginning anyway. Yeah. So I use those a lot, but I do rake them out and I freshen them up. Mm-hmm. And you can also use some synthetic stuff. Right. Does, does some of that, have you, do you use that a lot? Does that, some of that stuff work or? Is uh, it, yeah. Is it all the same? You just kind of. Uh, I believe some works better than others, but there's one uh, that Rustin has come up on his own, and I think he's going to try to market it. Yeah. So I can't say what it is yet. Okay, okay. And he's been testing it for probably three or four years, uh, and, dude, (laughs) it works. It works. It it definitely works. So so show up to this scouting and mapping event you've got coming up here. And ask Rustin what the what's he's, he what's he got. <laughs> he's he's probably not going to say, but 
he he was wanting to have that stuff out by this season, yeah. but I don't know if he's going to be able to or not. Okay. It might be next season, but, okay. but it's going to come into play with our other company that we're getting ready to launch. Right. But um, <clears throat> it definitely works. Okay, got it. He's got some stuff in the works on it, and I think it'll help a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... So now we're we've we've kind of found a spot. We found a buck. Um, we're not setting up over a, f- a, f- a food tree, feed tree where there's a bunch of sign and fresh sign. We're backing off of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, say say we've backed off. We've kind of found a spot where we think they're kind of going from or coming from, and we we find a tree. Right, that's the next step. Yeah, you, you got to find where you're going to actually set up at. Right. What are you What are you looking for in terms of? Are you trying? You're trying to be right on that spot, right on that trail where he's going to, or from that that place you backtracked from. Yeah, um, where I think he's going to be coming from, and where I think he's going to be coming through. Mm-hmm. I set up very close. Yeah, um, inside twenty yards. And you're bow hunting. I'm bow hunting. Yes, which is super important because if yeah. if you got a rifle, you can you can kind of afford to back off. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're rifle hunting or even muzzleloader hunting, I mean you can you can back off quite a bit. Yeah, you know, and try to help your odds a little bit as far as wind and stuff like that. But bow hunting, um, I set up extremely close. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't take long shots. You don't. No. What's I mean? What's a long shot for you? A long shot over thirty. Yeah. I mean, for me, yeah. uh, Rustin and Dalton, they're really good shots. Way better than I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting old, and they're still in their 20s. Yeah. but I'm in my 20s, and I'm not a good shot. So, Well, yeah, some people are not. Yeah. You know, some people can go to the range, and I mean, 12 ring all day long. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do that to kill a deer. Yeah. Uh, but most of the bucks that I've killed in my life has been under 20 yards. Mm. I've killed a few outside that. Yeah. And I've killed one... I think the Featherston probably 41, but that's a, pretty good, that's a long shot for yeah, me. That's a good one. But it was wide open, you know. It was a good deer, and I decided to take the shot, but I set up for really close. Yeah. Well, and two, if we're talking specifically the Ozarks, a lot of the times you didn't, you're not, you're not going to be able to have a shot that long because right. you got so much timber in the way. You've got branches. Yeah. You've got all this stuff yeah. that kind of could throw off your arrow or, or anything like that. Yeah. When you're looking for that tree to set up, first of all, I'm going to be close. And second of all, I want to have shots. A lot of people, uh, I've seen a lot of people, you know, pick a tree where they're limited, really limited on shots. Mm. And you need to leave, you know, plenty of shot opportunity for yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can have a buck coming there pretty close and still still not get a shot at him because there's so much stuff in the way. Right. You want to try to make sure you've got plenty of shots. Do you do you kind of pre-work a tree or like prep a tree that you're going to hunt in? You know you're going to hunt in, cut some branches off that might be in the way, or uh, what's your philosophy on that? On public ground around here, I really don't because yeah. you're not allowed to saw any limbs off. Right. I mean, you, I might break some dead stuff out of the way or whatever, or break some limbs, but you know you can't saw anything, so it, it makes it even that more much important to pick the right tree. To pick the right one. Yeah, yeah. Try to give yourself, even if you give up a little bit of concealment. I think it's more important to have your shots than being as. I mean, you want to try to be concealed, but mm-hmm. it's important to have shots. If you don't have shots, then he can come in there and you won't. It don't, sure. doesn't matter if he doesn't see you or yeah. smell you. You know, you're stuck in the tree. <laughs> you, you can't shoot. You need to have a shot. So if it's if it's on one hand, 
you've got no concealment, and on the other hand, you've got no shot. You have to go with the no concealment. Yeah. That's where you're going to lean towards yeah. that every time. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, if you can't shoot the deer, why sit yeah. there? That's that's one reason I'm pretty excited. I've never saddle hunted, but I'm pretty excited. I'm going to try saddle hunting this year. That's right. You were talking about that. I can just picture myself, you know, trying to put that tree in between me and the deer to hide, you know? Yeah. And I can think of a lot of scenarios where that would have helped me in the past. Right. So I'm excited about trying that this year. What? So, so yeah, that's been something that's kind of been, that's blown up in the last several years. Um, what, what for you has kind of made you make that switch? Are you going to exclusively saddle hunt this year or what are you thinking? Uh, probably not exclusively because, um, out in the Midwest, I hunt out of a lot of cedar trees. Okay. Little bitty cedar trees, and you just about got to have a little small lock on. I, I can't see using a saddle in one of those, mm-hmm. but I'm going to try to hunt out of it as much as possible this year. Yeah. 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 I started hunting with a saddle about two years ago, um, and I really liked it. it. For me, it was like they're, they're kind of expensive to get into if, if you're someone who, you know, you don't spend a whole lot of money on hunting anyway. Um, and compared to some stands, you, you might spend a lot, but if you think about it, you end up getting, you have endless stands. You have endless opportunities to go set up in, a, you know, a bunch of different places uh, versus buying a stand. That's a ladder. You put it on one tree and it sits there pretty much all season. Yeah, it's There's there's some benefits there. I've, I've really liked it. Yeah, the mobility is what really attracted me to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more and more I watched uh, people talking about it and, you know, hunting out of them, the mobility um I mean, it's hardly any weight. Yeah, and it feels like wearing a kind of a thick pair of underwear, like yeah. when you walk in the woods. <laughs> yeah, like I just got on these big jimmies on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm really excited about trying that this year. I mean, I think, I mean, I can think of a lot of scenarios in the past where it would have helped me yeah. a lot. So, I'm excited about that this year. Yeah, pumped. Heck yeah. What's your, what saddle did you go with? Uh, well. I've got three different ones. Okay. So you're going to try them. <laughs> uh, but I've got another one that's supposed to, I thought it was going to show up today, but uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it now. Um, it, was a, it was a custom-made one. Okay. I cannot think of the name of it. it just, <laughs> I've, got, uh, I've got the Phantom. Yeah. I've got the Phantom Elite. Okay. Overwatch. 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 Okay. Gotcha. So the guy that owns the company actually custom made it for me. Okay. He made Rustin's too. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Rustin got his in. That's what made me want to order mine is Rustin got his in. And, uh, of course, it swallows me because he's a big guy. But yeah. I got in and I'm like, whoa, this thing's nice. It comfy? You feel yeah, like it'll be pretty it's, comfortable? It's comfy and it's, man, the quality is just unreal on that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it looked really good and it felt really good. And I said, I'm getting me one. So yeah. it's coming in any day. Okay, gotcha. So okay, so let's let's you know you're talking about putting on a saddle. It's lightweight. It's nice that you can kind of you can walk in a little bit further. So let's talk about the the approach of now you've picked your spot. You've got a tree. How important <clears throat> is the approach to from where you park the truck to yep. where you're actually hunting? I think it can be really important, and you know I take a lot of pain, and it's. Um, boy, it makes it difficult because, I mean, the right route in there may be a lot of extra walking, mm-hmm. a lot of extra energy. and But sometimes, I mean, I think you have to do that and to, without bumping those deer. Do you think uh, it's it's make or break? Uh, no. Okay. No, because I used to not put that much energy and effort into the entry and exit routes. But the more I hunt, 
and the more I learn, I mean, I still learn stuff every day and I think the entry and exit becomes more and more important. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, I'm seeing it more and more being, you know, coming up the list in importance, Mm -hmm. but boy, some of that, (laughs) some of that getting into some of these places that I'm hunting, it it makes it hard. It's tough. It's tough, but sometimes I think it's worth it. Yeah. And, and what are you looking for when you get out of the truck, you, you're starting to check the wind or you probably already know the wind at that point. I know the wind, but, um, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk before about wind, but no, I really don't. Uh, I really don't care about the wind. To be <laughs> this honest is my with kind you. of guy. I so <clears throat> there's so much on wind. I and it's part of it's. I don't and we're completely different. So for me, it's it may be just because I'm lazy and I'm like I don't know that the wind matters all that much that I care enough to to really like base everything off of the wind. And so for that, that's for me. So. I'd love to hear you say that. I'd love to hear why, for you, you don't care about it. So, here, my philosophy, and, you know, it, it's worked for me. It, it's it's busted me, too. Okay. But, but <laughs> to, I mean. To be fair. But, to be fair, yeah. But it has worked for me. If, if I've located a buck, I've located my spot, and I've located the tree, if I think I can kill that buck out of that tree, I don't care what the wind is. Okay. I just, I simply don't care. Yeah. I, I hunt... And a lot of times it's like a, a marginal, I call it a marginal wind because the wind may be blowing across, but if you can get that shot off before he gets to it, mm-hmm. before he gets to it, I mean, you can you can kill that buck. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to go in and hunt a wind that's blowing straight into where I think he's bedded. Okay. I'm not going to do that. Okay. But as far as uh, I just don't pay a lot of attention. I mean, if it's... If the tree that I'm hunting is with the wind where I think he's coming from, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But I'm not putting a lot of weight on that. Gotcha. That's not what you're I, you're sticking your strategy on right there. Nope. That's so... It's weird because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of so really much. good whitetail hunters out there, way better than I am. Yeah. And, I mean, they swear by the wind, but, I mean, you can see in this room... That's what I'm saying, man. Like I mean... <laughs> It's not like you're not killing deer. I, I, I just do not pay attention much to the wind. Okay. Not much. Yeah. So that, I feel like I know what your answer is going to be on this then, uh, but I'll ask anyways. Scent control, products, stuff that you can rub in your hair and, and rub on your skin and, and put on the tree. Yeah. <clears throat> do, you, do you subscribe to, to some of that stuff? I do. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I do. Um I think kind of my my way of thinking is if except for the wind but if there's <laughs> yeah. the wind's different because I mean if I think I can kill that deer out of that tree I'm getting in it I don't care what the wind is okay. but something like scent control like soaps and stuff like that Yeah. I think if you can do something that can help you 5% just five, I mean nothing's 100% you already know that. Yeah, sure. Nothing's 100%. Right. Scent lock all this scent so None of it's 100%. But if I think that there's a 5% chance, just a small percent, and it takes just a little bit of extra effort to wash yourself or put this scent killer on or whatever, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. That stuff's not that expensive, yeah. and, and I'll do it. You know, 
does it help me? I'm not 100% sure. Right. But if I think in my mind that it's helping me just a little bit, it might make, put my mind at ease just a little bit. Yeah. It might make him come five more yards. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, you never know. You never know, but that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Gotcha. I but, I'm a little surprised because I was kind of correlating the, the wind with the scent control, and I was like, well, if you don't care about the wind, you might not. You probably don't care about scent control. But for you, you're saying, I might as well do it. Yeah. I'm not spending that much money on it. It's yep. pretty cheap. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. So the sprays, the the soap, I do, I try to do that. You know, I won't, if I'm going to like hunt the, the next morning, I'll actually leave. And if, especially if we're out at like the cabin or we're on some private land, I'll leave my hunting clothes out to get kind of the natural scent and yeah. stuff like that. Do you do some stuff like that too as well? Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not going to have my clothes, you know, in here cooking bacon. Sure. You know, yeah. I keep them in uh, sealed uh, containers, and I try to keep them clean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I use uh, scent-free laundry detergent and stuff like that, and I try to keep my stuff as scent-free as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's basically what I do on scent control. I got gotcha. you. Okay, so where are we at now? So we've we've scouted. We've found our spot. We found some sign. We picked our tree. Now we've approached. From here, what what do you need to know? You you've you've approached a tree. You're here, and it's it's hunting season. It's go time, right? Yeah. Um, talk me through what kind of headspace do you do you need to be in? Um, I just talk me through. Once you climb up in the tree, for you, where do, where does your head go? So one of the first things that. Uh, <clears throat> I do, and a lot of people call me crazy. And when I did that hunt with Onyx last year, I caught a lot of flack for it because I had a a cameraman from Meat Eater yeah. that was following me around. He was wore out at the end of the week, but he's like, "Who's I, this hillbilly I'm man, following around?" <clears throat> uh, I get in the woods extremely early. I don't like being a last minute, like just trying to rush around getting ready as it's breaking daylight. Yeah, I get in most of the time an hour before daylight starts breaking. Really? And they they call me crazy, but... Well, look at these deer. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, that's just the way that I've always done it. My dad taught me that, and I've always done it that way, and that's just my way of working. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm in early. Yeah, an hour before. An hour before daylight. I like to get up in my stand, and, and sometimes I'll take a nap. I mean, if I've safety belted in, I'll cinch that thing up next to the tree. Yeah. That's some of the best sleep I get that hour. It might as well. Yeah. You're going to have some and natural ambiance. I absolutely love sounds. it. People say I'm crazy, and but I absolutely love it. And that's just that's the way I operate. It's worked for me, and I wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah. But, yeah, I uh, start out with that. And probably when November hits um, – I'd say around November the 3rd or 4th through probably November the 15th. Mm-hmm. If I'm in a spot that I'm confident in, I will not come out of that stand. I will sit there you're sticking and an stand. hour before daylight and until it gets dark. Oh, you're doing all day sets. Oh, yeah. From when? An we hour get- before daylight when I first get there. And I will not come down until it's dark. But you're talking about... you. Uh, November 1st, is that what yeah, you said? Through around the, November the, probably, yeah, depending on how the, you know, how the rut's going and stuff. Yeah. Um, the first part of November through, say, the 14th or 15th, mm-hmm. somewhere along that two-week stretch. Yeah. 
uh, I've got a lot of vacation time, so I've got a lot of time. I take the whole month of November off. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So that two-week stretch right there, that's just like uh, Kansas last year. I was on my 14th day, and, I mean, I was wore out. I mean, I was doing those all-day sets, and that walk into this place I was hunting was awful. The walk was awful. Was it? Yeah. Just super far or really gnarly uh, stuff you got to It was there. only about a mile and a half, but the walk to get there, the entry route to get there, the way I wanted to go, I mean, there was plum thickets. I don't know how many people, any of your listeners, has hunted out in Kansas and that CRP, but, you know, CRP has got patches of plum thickets and stuff in it, and it, it is it's terrible. Mm, just it, thick. It's rough. Yeah. And then if it's wet out there, you got that gummy, that black – uh, soil that's real slippery and stuff, mm-hmm. and there's hills out there. Everybody thinks Kansas is perfectly flat. It's that's not. What I think of, yeah, <laughs> it's not. But uh, the little hills and stuff, and ditches and stuff, you got to cross and creeks and all that. It, it was a rough. It was a rough way in there. Yeah, but I do all day sets. All day sets. Mm-hmm. I you... killed that buck last year at one fifty five in the afternoon. No way. Mm-hmm. See, a lot of people would would have missed it, right? Yeah, because yeah. you're not coming back until three o'clock or two thirty yeah. if you're doing a yeah. evening hunt. Early season uh, and late late season, I will just hunt mornings and evenings. Yeah, uh, but boy, during that rut, especially that two weeks, I'll I'll be in my best spot and I'll be there all day. <laughs> What do you do all day? I mean, are you are you locked in, laser focused all day, or you can ask uh, anybody that that's hunted with me or knows yeah. me. Yeah. I, I'm in a zone that's that's unexplainable during deer season, especially during that first two or three weeks of November. Actually, the last week of October through the first two or three weeks of November, I'm I'm in a zone. I'm like in a different world. Really? Yeah. You're just locked. In. I am. I am intensive and. <laughs> persistent and there there's nothing else that i mean that's all i've got on my mind and that's that's it yeah and i i mean i go 110 percent. whenever you you've had a day like that where you you've sat all day and and maybe you haven't seen anything do you have days like that where i'm assuming you oh don't yeah see anything? oh yeah do you get do you get um frustrated and you won't come back to a spot or you're staying for several days in a row or how, what do you think about that uh, it's it's easy to get frustrated, but and yeah. I used to, I used to, but the older I get, uh, it, it doesn't. If I know I'm in the right spot, there, I don't get frustrated. I mean, I'm just sitting there. I'm just playing the waiting game. I'm I'm putting the time in there, mm-hmm. and eventually there's going to be one come by. You put yourself in the right position, and you get there and you stay. Mm-hmm. And uh, anymore, I don't really get frustrated. I just sit there and I'm just running scenarios through my mind all day long. You know, what what if he comes out here? What am I going to do? What if this? What if that? I'm just constantly running scenarios through my mind all day. My brain is just just going just 90 spinning. miles an hour all day <laughs> long, you know, just thinking, you know, I don't need to make a mistake. You know, I need to do this. I need to do that. Making sure everything's perfect, you know. Yeah. I bet you it's, get down at the end of the day and you're like exhausted, even though you've just been sitting well, there. The when I day. get down and get out, um, I mean, I just get a little bit to eat and I'm straight to bed. Yeah. And like last year, you know, I know Dalton and his uncle was frustrated with me because when I got there, I, I'm not in the mood of talking. Yeah. All I want to do is get something to eat go to and go straight to bed. So you can wake up real early. So I wake up real early. Yeah. 
and you know shower and all that stuff and i'm right after it again i yeah. mean that's that's what i live for those three or four weeks that's it yeah hey man seems to work pretty good for you <laughs> <laughs> so so you've uh so this year i'm i'm kind of curious to, to to hear with with your the way you've hunted in the past if you haven't been in the saddle uh, are you mostly using ladder stands or uh, climb-ons or um, I use lock-ons. Lock-ons. Okay. Yeah. So I'm this year when you're with your saddle hunting, you'll you I think you'll have to get up a little bit earlier. I've noticed this last year or when I started saddle hunting, it it's that extra 20 30 minutes to get up the tree with my climbing stuff. Yeah. That I'm realizing like, man, I'm getting here too late. Like I'm getting up and the, and the sun's coming up and I'm I'm late and that's not where you want to be. No. You're like cringing so, when I'm saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I allow myself a lot of time, but, uh, I'm really good at putting climbing sticks on Yeah, because I use lock ons. Right. And I don't think it's going to take me, you know, I, I, I bought a little platform, a little predator platform, and it's basically like a little bitty lock on. So right. I don't think it's going to, won't add and too I've, much I've time. practiced, <clears throat> I've practiced with it and I mean, it might at the beginning take me a little bit more time but i'll catch on real yeah, quick I'm sure, and, yeah i'm sure and, you will but uh yeah I'm, I'm allowing myself a lot of time yeah see i i've i make that mistake too often i i like to i like to sleep and i'm i'm not i'll admit i'm not as hardcore as you i i yeah. love deer hunting i love doing it and, and when it comes deer hunting season i'm out there but i'm i'm not like you man you're I, you're locked in I'm an animal, man. I'm yeah. telling you. A lot of people, I mean, I've got a lot of friends. Man, I'd like to go hunting with you sometime and everything. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't. It's you not do fun. not want to go hunting with me. <laughs> so I've got a I've got a, a good friend in uh, northeast Texas that uh, I've asked to go with me to Kansas for seven, about a week. Okay. To see if he would be interested in filming with me. Yeah. And so I was messaging him yesterday and... Uh, his answer back, he said, man, that, he said, I'd love to do that. But he said, I don't know what a week without sleep is going to be like. <laughs> he, he was a little bit reluctant because he, know, he, he knows, knows how you, he knows how I hunt. But, oh, but I, I think he's going to probably do it. But That'll uh, be good, though. It'll, it'll be a good experience for him. Yeah. <laughs> he may miss out on a few Zs. But <laughs> yeah, he's going to. He'll get around to it. But <clears throat> I don't know, man. It's, it's I'm just eat up with it and, you know. Yeah, I like I like sharing information that I've learned and you know what I do and stuff and I I just love every aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's definitely been helpful. I I, I hope that our our listeners they hear some of the stuff and they can kind of take some of some of it away to to start thinking about putting together a plan for coming out to those Ark Public Land Challenge or even just you're listening and you're thinking about what's my game plan going to be for for my whole season. Um this year hopefully you guys can kind of put some of these tactics and and you said you mentioned before we even started recording you're you kind of hunt out of the box you're you're kind of creative with your stuff you, you yeah. don't do what everybody else does yeah I, I know we've talked a lot of, a lot here on this podcast and stuff but there there's a lot of small details uh you know that i know i've left out uh, that's taken me a lifetime to learn mm-hmm. little bitty details and you know I, I answer messages all the time. I get messages all the time, and I, I love answering people's questions. And I just hope that they can take one small thing from what I said and apply it to their hunting, and maybe help them be more successful. Yeah, absolutely. If if people are wanting to ask you something like that, and and like you said, there's so much that we didn't cover that we could go, you know, spend hours on, and, and there are tons of material out there too from other yeah. podcasts and stuff like that. But 
if anyone's got a question for you or they're just wanting to reach out to you and get in touch and kind of, you know, pick your brain on something, yeah. how can they get a hold of you? Uh, either on Facebook or Instagram, mostly through Instagram. If you'll just send a message through uh, either United Outdoors or Rusty underscore UO on Instagram through a message. I mean, I, I message with people all the time. Yeah. And uh, I love doing that. I love trying to help people. You know, especially people just starting out trying to get into hunting and try to encourage them to get out there and, you know, not get frustrated and help them as much as I possibly can. Yeah, but absolutely. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I appreciate it, Rusty. Thanks yeah. for having us over to your place and showing us all your deer up on the wall and talking yeah. with us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. Absolutely. Good meeting you guys. Well, uh, hopefully you guys are listening. You guys will come to the event that's coming up August 25th um, at the Apollo in Springdale. Uh, with Rusty and the Onyx guys. And um, hopefully we'll see you there. But if you guys like this episode, make sure you let us know. Um, share it with a buddy. Share it on social media. And leave us a five-star rating and review if you really liked it. We'll see you next time. This podcast is hosted by Kyle Veet, co-hosted by Adam Treese and Kyle Plunkett, and produced by Daniel Matthews. Thanks for listening. Until next time.